You're listening to the League Bound Podcast. Your source for weekly coverage on the future stars of the NBA. I'm your co-host, Jake Schrantz. And I'm your co-host, Brandon Blue. With production for the podcast coming from Broderick Wilkin. With the first pick in the NBA draft. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the League Bound Podcast, where we break down prospects and the best players in college basketball, while talking about breaking news in the college basketball world and giving fresh and unique takes. I'm your co-host, Brandon Blue, and here with me is my co-host, Jake. How are you today, Jake? Brandon, I am doing excellent today. You know, March Madness is finally upon us this weekend. Selection Sunday coming up real quick. It's been an amazing time. Brody, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Spring break's coming up for us, so uh, some planning around the podcast. I mean, we had to do it early just because of that. Not only that, we got Selection Sunday coming up. Mm -hmm. Mere days out. It's very exciting in that regard. We got tournaments going on as we speak. Uh, I think the first or like the last batch of the games today pretty much just finished up. And uh, yeah, this is supposed to release basically the morning after we record this. So uh, and that'll be on Saturday, right before Selection Sunday. We'll give you some tips. We'll give you who we think stands a good chance of going pretty deep into March Madness before selections are even made. And uh, I think that'll be helpful for you guys to when you decide to go make your brackets. So uh, what do you say we get to it, Brandon? Yes, sir. <laughs> and I'm happy because this week we finally have some negativity. Uh. Negativity. 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 I was sad last week after we didn't have any, but we had some today, or Tuesday, I believe, in the Wagner versus Bryant NEC championship game. Ugh. <laughs> I got a text from my mom, and I was watching, I don't remember what game we were watching, but she's like, <laughs> Brandon, negativity on ESPN2. I turn and I see the whole student section's cleared out. I'm like, man, what happened? But it wasn't a fight amongst the players. Nah, 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 nah. It was a fight amongst the students. It was a Hit fight the amongst mic. the students, bro. Uh, it was so Brandon bad. Was just fighting the mic right there. <laughs> For real. It was so bad they had to put the game on a 30-minute hiatus. Uh, one fan got arrested after. <laughs> the fight was funny. Oh, oh, I remember they were they were like reshowing the fight on Sports Center. And they just zoomed in on somebody absolutely getting socked in the face. And bro, like, fell back into the crowd. It was oh so God. funny, bro. What a great fight. This might be the best fight that we've had all year on negativity, I would I know. say. And during champ week. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it always can get a lot more uh, nasty when it comes to actual fans. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they don't really, they aren't really held to the same standards of players. And a lot of the times players will find themselves stopping themselves. But, I mean... If you're a fan, what do you got to lose sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, except never being allowed to go and watch another game of from your college team again. But, you know. I also don't think it helps that they were getting blown out. So, uh. Peter Kiss destroyed them. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about him a little bit later. <laughs> but now, on to our weekly takes segments. A segment where we break down uh, any news in the week and give our takes on it. But 
March Madness is coming up. Um, so we figured we'd do a little uh, pre-selection Sunday predictions. For sure. And can I talk about one thing? I'm a little I'm a little too proud of myself, but last week I did say when it came to the Big Ten uh, tournament, which has been pretty wild so far, uh, I really said, and I thought anyone could really take it. It was uh, up for grabs for anyone. And what do you know? Michigan State, as I said, pulled in. Well, I, I didn't say they'd beat Wisconsin, but I said they could make a run. And so far they have. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really funny to see happen this week just because, I mean, very rarely does something just get spoken into existence in college basketball with how random stuff can happen. So kudos to you, Brody. You had that one on lock. But getting into some sleeper teams now here for March Madness, we're going to be bringing you some teams that, you know, we think you should keep your eye on and maybe favor in some of the matchups in your brackets. So, Brandon, do you want to do your first teams? Oh, yes. Uh, none of mine are really that crazy picks, but these are some teams that I feel like are outside of the top 10 right now that are people are definitely sleeping on. And my first one is Arkansas. Um, I just want to talk about the fact that, you know, coming into the season, I believe that this team was like, they weren't just like a top 25 team. I know I've said this a million times, but they were like top 15. But, you know, they had some early struggles um, and they kind of fell off the map. But they literally put everything together as soon as they stepped foot into the AC, or into the SEC play. Um, and that game against Auburn really just impressed me so much. Um, it just shows how tough and gritty of a team they are. And I feel like they have the exact makeup to go deep in March Madness, and they've shown us that that's what they have. Uh, last year, you know, they had Moses Moody, or they lost Moses Moody and a few other guys, but they still have a lot of returning players like J.D. Note, Jalen Williams. Um, so I'm very high on them, and I think that they're going to upset some people. Right now in Bracketology, looks like they have a pretty nice path, um, and they could potentially see Gonzaga. Yeah, and today, even for Auburn, or excuse me, even for... Arkansas, they had Chris Likes just going off in the second half and just putting LSU away. That was really impressive by him. I hope they win the SEC tournament. But going on to my next sleeper take, I have Texas Tech. Um, just looking at them play really all season and seeing them go up against Kansas, I feel like they are a very scary team just because they play so well defensively. And just today they held Oklahoma to below 60 points in, in the 50s, and that's not really something you see a whole lot now in college basketball. Um, so I feel like they are a very, very scary team. Also, they have a lot of shooters. So, um, and right now in bracketology, oh, obviously this may change. They are lined up with Arkansas. Um, it sucks that my two sleeper teams are projected to be in the same side of the, uh, or in the same region, but I genuinely think that both of these teams could make the time, make the final four. Yeah, that could be a, Maybe the best game of those early rounds, but moving on to my two teams here, I'm going to go with San Francisco uh, out of the West Coast Conference. They put up a really impressive performance against Gonzaga, even in a loss. Um, you know, Gonzaga, one of the class acts of college basketball, one of the best teams. So I think, you know, them being able to show up and almost take down Gonzaga in the tournament this late in the season, I think is a really impressive performance by them. Uh, let me find them in the so right now in Bracketology, as we're recording this, uh, they're lined up with Colorado State as a 10 seed. So, you know, Colorado State has been pretty solid this year as well. But I think San Francisco, if they can stay hot, stay how they've been playing 
especially defensively against Gonzaga. They could pull off that upset there. And then my second team is going to be Davidson. They're currently matched up with Ohio State on ESPN's Bracketology, which, again, it could change. Um, And something that would be crazy about this situation would be, could OSU actually go out in round one two years in a row? We all saw it last year. Oral Roberts, Max A. Smith, they got the job done and took out Ohio State. And that would be crazy if Davidson, you know, with Hung Jung Lee and the team alike with that, you know, if they could take down Ohio State first round again. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if the coach is on the hot seat after that, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with you, Jake. I think that's something that we could see again. This Ohio State team hasn't really been consistent all year. So, But now... Not our sleeper teams, but our teams that we think are going to get upset. For my first pick, I have Alabama. Uh, Watching them kind of all season long, they were one of the teams in the SEC I've kind of watched the second most, I'd say. But there are times they look like a team that could go to the Final Four and then times where they just look like an average team. And after that loss against Vanderbilt early in the SEC tournament, I'm not thinking, you know, they're going to have too much success in this tournament. Um, Especially when you look at the bracketology. Um, Obviously, this may change. But Alabama is projected to play Michigan. And when you have to play a team like that, you know, who I wouldn't really say is necessarily a bad team. um, I just don't see them making it out of the first round, let alone this the first weekend. So next, UCLA. Um. I know me and Jake can kind of collab on this because we both have opinions about this. But UCLA was a team last year that they were they struggled last year, but they just kind of got hot at the right moment. And I kind of went back and looked at some of their game footage, and so much of their game plan was really just isolation ball with Johnny Juzang and uh, Tiger Campbell and all those guys. And it's just now I think, when you've had a year to prepare for them and you kind of know what to expect, and it's shown in their recent struggles, they're just a team who I don't really think is prepped to make another deep run in the tournament. Yeah, let me just go off on UCLA real quick. So last season, a first four team in, and they get to the final four. Very impressive, but you know that ranking shows the actual true ranking. If you're not going to be legit in the tournament, we shouldn't be giving you the same amount of respect. I'm sorry. Uh, you come into this year, you pick up Peyton Watson, one of the best recruits in the nation, and he doesn't do basically anything for you. So if you expect us to stay hot on this team, um, I don't know what you've been watching all year. I have no confidence in this team, basically. They're a four seed right now against Princeton. They're in On ESPN, they're in the same you know, four first teams with Iowa. Iowa is going to absolutely smoke them, even if they take down Princeton. So... Good luck to UCLA. I hope you prove me wrong, but, you know, I'm going to say RIP early. And uh, the third team we have here for upset teams is uh, Ohio State. I mean, uh, last year they got uh, kind of upset. And, uh, I mean, personally, I would not be surprised to see them get upset again. Uh, And that's mainly, uh, as we've all kind of seen and observed here, they've lost to Michigan, Nebraska, and Penn State recently. I think that Nebraska lost to they had really kind of showed how much of a hot and cold team they are. And I really think uh, they they had some great games where they would close up on big teams. But like 
they've kind of had a cold going recently, and I think uh, they have the history behind not performing too well in March Madness, and I think uh, it would not be a bad idea to not, I guess, not bet against them, but not, not, I wouldn't put them too far in your brackets. And now moving on, we saw some top teams uh, lose yes t- today and yesterday in their conference tournaments. Uh, Baylor lost yesterday to um, Oklahoma, and today Auburn lost to Texas A&M, I believe. Yes. So I just kind of wanted to talk with Jake about which do you think is a more surprising upset, Baylor or Auburn? Man, this is tough because both teams lately have been kind of, you know, iffy in terms of consistent, you know, play. But Auburn is just it's just a really tough loss. You know, one of the best teams in the country with maybe the best freshman in the country in Jabari Smith. You have KD Johnson just he doesn't hit a shot all night and he takes double digit attempts. I think he had fourteen or something. That's just unacceptable. So I mean, I don't even know if that's a shock anymore if KD Johnson doesn't show up. He's kind of been on the downhill for the second half of the season, but I would say that Auburn is kind of the more surprising upset just because of, you know, they were probably the favorite in the SEC tournament. Uh, weren't they the one seed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say they're the the most surprising for me. Mm. I think I'm going to have to disagree here. Just because, just because Auburn recently, they've kind of, they've been a struggling team and, you know, I feel like you go back and look at them uh, and some of their success. I think there's just been so much times when they've kind of relied on, I guess, Wendell Green and Jabari Smith to get hot. Um, And we kind of saw that today, but it's like you come out the gate slow and you don't have anybody to set the tone for you. And I feel like that's just been something we've seen repeatedly with Auburn. But as for Baylor, I feel like, especially lately, Really, after the, after their loss to Kansas, they kind of asserted that they were probably the best team in the Big Twelve. I hate to say it, um, just because of how dominant they were defensively. Um, and I do notice earlier in the season that it looked like the down the stretch they would have a lot of offensive issues, but we kind of saw that again yesterday with Oklahoma. And so that's kind of where I'm so uh, shocked. I think I don't remember exactly how long it was, but I think the last five or so minutes, maybe. Maybe I'm twisting that a bit, but it seemed like they didn't score a point at all. And that's something that's very reminiscent of early early on in the season. And I'm hoping that that's something that they have fixed. And going into March Madness, we won't see that again. So, so coming in here, we're going to talk about a couple of NBA prospects that you're, you're not going to want to miss uh, during March Madness. What's your first one, Brandon? My first player is probably going to be Jalen Durant. Um, he's been playing really well since, really since we talked about him last on the prospect breakdown. And uh, bracketology right now, they're projected to play a team like Seton Hall, and I could easily see him going to town on them. Also, another player I want to talk about is who we're actually going to do for our prospect breakdown today is Benedict Mathern. Right now, they are a they are a top seed in the, in all of March Madness. They are a one seed, and they have a pretty good. I feel like they'll have a pretty good chance to go far. And honestly, Arizona is a team that, and just Benedict Mathern in general, is a team that I wish we talked about a little bit more because I feel like they've been playing really phenomenal basketball, honestly, but we just haven't talked about them. Um, But Benedict is someone I'd look out for. And then two other players I want to talk about are Ochai Agbaji and Johnny Davis. 
mainly because these are two people who are in the running for the Naismith Player of the Year, but also it's rare to have two front runners also be really potential lottery picks in the draft. Um, and with them playing such a pivotal part in their team's uh, their team's success, I feel like we could see some very very big games from them, um, especially if they both make it deep. Maybe even a potential matchup, which I'm hoping we see. Yeah, I definitely like that point there, uh, talking about how their performance really indicates how well the team is going to do. We definitely saw that uh, on display today with Wisconsin. We'll get into it in a little bit, but Johnny Davis wasn't quite on the mark today, and we all saw what happened. So, And if you're trying to look at some talent that is going to be going into the NBA, these two guys are definitely people to look at out for. They're extremely talented and extremely entertaining to watch. Yeah, we all saw that. Oshai Agbaji, nasty Ugh. inbound dunk on the poster. Ugh. One of the best highlights of all week. Gave me chills. Ugh. Reminded me of that Wayne Selden dunk from a few years ago. Real Definitely. one. Oh, Reminded yeah. me of Prime Brandon Blue. Oh, oh yeah. I'd, I'd be <laughs> out there. But also, I want to talk about, you know, other players to look out for. Obviously, you have your Jabari Smith, your Paolo Bancaro, Jaden Ivey. Um, Chad Holmgren. Yeah. You, you know... We wanted to talk about players who you may not be looking for, so we all know you're going to be looking out for them. Come on. All right. The Stock Market. But now, moving on, it's time for The Stock Market. Yeah, so The Stock Market, as everyone knows, is my favorite segment on the show. Um, it's a segment where we talk about a couple players where we think their draft stock has gone pretty high in these last few weeks or so. And then we also have one player who we think their stock has dropped recently. So for my first stock up player of the week, it's going to be Ty Ty Washington out of Kentucky. Um, he had 25 points in their win today over Vandy. Uh, Vandy took out Alabama, as Brandon said earlier. Uh, they were kind of hot coming into this SEC tournament play. Uh, but, you know, Kentucky kind of put their foot down with Ty Ty leading the way on offense. Uh, Brandon, do you think he is the best point guard in the class right now? No. I'm sorry. No. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, either way, he's still a, uh, he's still a great point guard. Um, he's a great scorer and facilitator for the Wildcats. So. I would just like to say, Ty Ty, no disrespect. Obviously, I still think he's good, but I don't even think he's the best point guard in the SEC. I'm just going to leave that Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I do agree with that. I do agree with that, but I still think he's a great player. Um, my second stock up is going to be Wendell Moore. Uh, stock ups from two of the Blue Bloods in college basketball this week. Very interesting. Um, Wendell had 26 and 8 assists um, in their win over Syracuse recently, and he had 17 points, 6 rebounds, 3 blocks versus Miami today. Um, he's been key to Duke's, you know, continuing to have success in the ACC tournament, and I think he's gonna, definitely going to be key moving into the future. Brandon, what you got? Next up, stock up. I just wanted to show some love to the nation's leading scorer right now, and Peter Kiss. We already talked about that Wagner versus Bryant game um, where that fight broke out, but if you actually watched him from that game, he was just crazy. You know, he was hitting, you know, step-back threes, uh, crazy dunks. He was talking trash to the crowd. It was a phenomenal performance. And, I mean, I'm sure that gets scouts just, you know, yeah, um, going crazy for him. So. Probably probably not going to be high on the radar. I mean, hey, but he's still on there. Yeah, I yeah. mean, second round, second round most likely. Oh, um, yeah. Late in the draft, team might just be looking to take a flyer on a guy who's just dominant in college. And, yeah. I mean, without just, like, 
I mean, such a impressive performance, you know, in the most dire time for their team. I mean, you know, it's looking pretty good on the draft stock. But that's a very interesting matchup. Bryant's Peter Kiss against Arizona, who has a number one seed. Predicted as of now. It could change. Yeah, that is that is an intriguing matchup, if I must say. Ugh. Okay, but now for our stock up, my next stock up, I have another, most likely a second round pick, Trace Jackson Davis. Um, but I think he... Trace. <laughs> he's... I, I, I gotta, he's got his weaknesses. I got to give him props. I got to give him props. Um, you Don't know, do man like that. Coming into the Big Ten... Coming into the Big Ten tournament, um, you know, they many people thought that they probably weren't going to make it just because they lost that game against Purdue. But now they've worked their way back into uh, the March Madness tournament, if the projections are correct. And he has been a pivotal part. He has been going to work in the paint. Uh, shout out to my guy Bobby out there, because I know these Indiana games have been putting him in, um, in <laughs> mental pain. But 24 points versus Michigan, 21 versus Illinois. And now they're in the Final Four, and as Brody kind of talked about earlier, the Big Ten is up for anyone's grabs right now. Both Michigan State and Illinois were knocked out, and they were the top two seeds. So anybody can win this Big Ten tournament right now. Did you say Michigan State? You mean Wisconsin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I picked Michigan State, yeah, I, and I, Michigan State's yeah. still in there. Are you baby. pulling for Michigan State all the way? You, you going that far? I'm not a Michigan State fan, uh, and not even close. So, no, but I I'm did think they the had Big potential. Ten tourney, you think they can get it done? Uh, just purely riding the wave. That I think you so. Is Iowa in there right now too? Iowa is still in there, and it's Purdue, right? Purdue still. Purdue, Iowa, Michigan State, and Indiana. Uh, I'll go with Purdue. Purdue. Jaden Ivy all the way. Fair enough. Look fair out enough. for him too. He should be extremely entertaining to watch. Definitely. So, but I mean, everyone knows about him. So, and now moving in to our stock down. I, I'm sorry, Johnny, but you can't run away from this, bro. I'm sorry, three for 19 and a loss to Michigan State, who you guys have lost to already in the season. Um, we just can't ignore that, my man. I'm really sorry. Yeah, it kind of sucks to put Johnny Davis back down in the stock down. It seems like every other week he's on stock up or stock down, which, you know, kind of a strange enigma we've he's, built here with him. He's such a hot and cold player, and just recently he's just been struggling and struggling and struggling. And, I mean... I don't know how much it will do for how far down he'll actually go, but it's definitely probably got some scouts concerned about consistency. If, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if he does this in March Madness, I could definitely see them him falling out of the top 10, especially since there's always every year there's one prospect who ends up really showing out in March Madness yeah. and raising their draft stock exponentially. So, Yeah, and with Johnny, you know, I will say, when we were trying to decide for Stockdown this week, he kind of got put in a tough position this week just because of how well a lot of like draft-stocked players were playing this week. So he really kind of stuck out like a sore thumb with his terrible performance. Um, but just like in the past, he'll probably go out in the tournament and put up like 30 points and get right back into the stock up. So we're still pulling for Johnny Davis here on the podcast, but... Now moving on to the best performance of the week. Performance of the week. Jordan Walker put up a 40-piece McNugget and a three-overtime win over Middle Tennessee, who was the one seed in the Conference USA tournament. 
yeah, Jordan Walker, he's averaging just under 20 points per game at 19 and a half, um, which is top 30 in the nation as of recording this podcast. But one thing that is holding him back just physically right now, he's only five foot 11 and 175 pounds, which definitely could limit his NBA potential. But we've obviously seen smaller guards in the past. Cardiac Kemba. Yeah, Cardiac Kemba, insane March Madness player, been an insane player in his career so far. And then obviously probably the greatest small point small guard of all time at Isaiah uh, Isaiah Thomas uh, definitely not putting him up with him um, in terms of potential yet and I mean that's just what's uh, so that fun. is Isaiah Thomas on the Pistons I will say not not current day Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> that's just what's so fun about uh, March Madness is it's just really it's anyone's game uh, everyone gets a shot and you can see the most miraculous and uh, beautiful things happen in this sport League him. Now moving on to our League him player of the week. Armando Baycott, congratulations. You have earned it. Yeah, I think this is is this the first time we've talked about Armando on the podcast? I, I believe so. But yeah, he had 19 points, 14 rebounds, and a tough loss to Virginia Tech today. Uh, Virginia Tech was hot. But, you know, he's one of the best rebounding bigs in the entire country. Um, just over 12 rebounds a game, which is third in the nation at the time of recording. Um, he's kind of an upperclassman here for UNC. He's been developing over the past few years, and I think this year is finally going to be his time to take his talents to the NBA and show out. Where do you guys think he's going, like, uh, in terms of uh, round range? Um, he's kind of an interesting player to look at because I don't think he's top five even in terms of centers for NBA potential right now but he could probably go somewhere in the second round and find a comfortable spot on a roster. He's someone where I think just draft combine is really going to determine, I think, you know, whether he rises and falls just because I feel like that's kind of the formula for what happens with a lot of players like him. Plus, I could definitely see some teams in the second round just valuing his experience Um, as an upperclassman. He's very consistent especially rebounding the ball, which is something you can always use on a, on a Huge, roster. Huge, yeah. Prospect Breakdown. And now for our Prospect Breakdown. Benedict Mathern, it is your time. Benedict Mathern is a six foot six, 210-pound sophomore uh, and a guard slash forward out of Montreal, Canada. Um, but... For high school, he didn't actually go to school. He played at the NBA Academy in Latin America, which I thought was really interesting. And he averaged 17.3 points a game, 5.7 rebounds, and 2.4 assists this season. So getting into our prospect breakdown, uh, some strengths for Benedict. He's an elite shooter coming off screens in the catch and shoot. Um, And he also has a really good transition pull-up shot. Uh, He can... (laughs) He gets up like nobody's business. Like when nobody's around him, ugh. It's so it's so disgusting. Like, man. Uh he's a sophomore actually, which I just want to point out. I think it's crazy how many of these top ten picks are actually second years, which I think goes to show um just how important staying that extra year can really be for your game and not to rush things. But anyways, you look at some of his uh his freshman's uh highlights, those dunks he had were just crazy. Um, 
it, like <laughs> I got up out of my seat and some of them I already knew were coming. But uh, to see the jump that he's made this year where he's actually furthered his game and, uh, you know, become someone who can play off the screen and, you know, just knock down shots and even become a little bit more of a ball handler, that's something that's really promising to see. And I think that shows that, you know, he's going to be a really coachable player at the next level, um, and which is something I think scouts will take note of. But speaking of him being a ball or speaking of him being a ball handler, though, uh, he's not really the best. You know, he's not like a Steve Nash or John Stockton when he gets into the gets into the paint off the pick and roll. But he can make some really impressive reads, and that's something that I like to see. Um, also at six six, he's a beast on the boards, and he has some good athleticism, as I talked about. So you know, that's something that scouts are looking at at the next level. Uh, long and agile is just a formula for him to really become a modern day three and D player at the next level. You know, before in the NBA, three and D players were kind of just people who stood in the corner, you know, cotton shoot, you know, they might come off screens, um, and they could guard people. But with somebody like, you know, Benedict, I feel like he's kind of shown the direction the league is heading in. You know, players now are becoming more and more athletic, and they're becoming more and more skilled and crafty. And although he's not the best at it, uh, he does operate a lot, a lot off the bounce. And I think, you know, it kind of reminds me a lot of Tim Hardaway specifically, you know, who's a good 3 and D guy. Uh, I really like that comparison. Yeah, because just because you think about him, he's somebody, he's a role player who can create his own shot. And, you know, he can give you a little between the legs, step back, cross, or he can just take any almost anyone in the league off the dribble, yeah, I feel THJ like. THJ is, like, from when he was young to whenever he retires, that's the type of player that is just never going to be without a job just because of what they can bring offensively. Yeah, and it, I, that's somebody I could see Benedict closely modeling if, this is where I'm going to get into his weakness, if he becomes somebody who can be a little bit more effective of a player off the bounce. You know, I think it's nice that he's showing us now that, you know, he's willing to try and make plays off of it. But, you know, he's not shooting it at a very high clip. But, you know, that's something, as I talked about earlier in this in this uh, breakdown, is that, you know, he's been someone who's shown that he's coachable and that he can, you know, make improvements. And so I think at the next level, that's something we may see from him. Yeah, and coming in here for Benedict Matherin, just looking at his game log specifically, this season, he's had 12 20-point games, including a career-high 30 against Illinois, who, if you know anything about college basketball recently, they're one of the top teams in the entire nation for the last few years or so. So I think that just goes to show how consistent he is as a scorer. Um, looking here again, he only had three games where he was not in double figures, so that also just goes to show how consistent of a scorer he is. But one thing I would look at him with him, Brandon said, you know, improving off the bounce. And I think that definitely shows in the free throw attempts a game. Um, only getting to the upper end of his game, getting about four free throw attempts. So really only getting to the line twice a game. Um, I think that's something that is maybe one of his bigger weaknesses right now. Because if he can start improving on that and maybe getting up to six to eight a game, that can improve his average up to 20 points a game very easily. And he could become a dynamic scorer in the NBA. Yeah, that kind of tags on to my other weakness that I have. Uh, it's just he's not really that physical of a player on the offensive end. Um, you know, he can 
he'll take it to the hoop, but, you know, he finishes best when there's nobody around him. You know, he's not like uh, Jaden Ivey, I'd say, or somebody who's just going to rise up over anyone. Like, he does need a little bit of space, you know. He doesn't really finish well through contact. Which is crazy because his frame is, is pretty solid for the NBA. Yeah. Um, obviously, he probably will put on a little bit more weight, but you'd still think, like, yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> he's, he's long, too, so he should be able to reach over the bigs. But my my question for you, Brandon, a lot of mock drafts have Matherin and also Johnny Davis, you know, s- kind of swapping in terms of who goes first, who goes second. I want to know, would you draft Benedict Matherin for sure over Johnny Davis in the moment right now? I think right now I would, yeah. Just because I feel like John- whenever I've seen Johnny Davis, I'm just kind of like, I just don't see much wiggle room with him, you know. That might be a bad take, but I don't really care. Also, with, like I said, uh, Benedict, I feel like, you know, there is areas he struggles at, but I feel like there's just, he can improve in those areas, you know. Whereas Johnny, it's kind of like, I feel like he's kind of more, his game style is a little bit more physical, and I think when you get to the NBA, that just kind of puts a caveat on how much you can do. But I feel like Benedict plays with a little bit more. Like I said, he's, we as we just talked about, he's not really as physical as he could be. And, you know, he's more of a shooter. So I think I just dragged Benedict over him because of that. And then let me just play devil's advocate here because I personally would draft these two guys over him. But, you know, looking at these numbers, Jaden Ivey and A.J. Griffin, A.J. Griffin only getting 10 points a game right now. Benedict Matherin at 17, they're both known as kind of perimeter shooters. Uh, Jaden Ivey, he's also getting outscored by Benedict Matherin as well. So... How come, what separates those two guys from Benedict Matherin, do you think, that just makes them higher drafted? Um, A.J. Griffin, I feel like he's kind of, he's the same height as Benedict Matherin, but he also has more, I guess, frame to him. And he's already kind of a better shot creator than he is, I would say. Plus, um, when you talk about Jay Ivey, he's just so much more explosive and, uh, he kind of has the same, I don't want to say same weaknesses, but he's not really the best shot creator, but you can see that he's he's coming along. And I think Jaden Ivey's just a lot further ahead in his progression as a player. He seems like he's a lot more comfortable off the bounce, you yeah. know, with his handle too. So mm-hmm. that would probably be the biggest difference between him and Matherin. But with that being said, Matherin is definitely, definitely a top 10 player in this class, no question. Yeah. So Benedict Matherin is kind of a player we haven't talked a lot on this podcast, especially in comparison to all of the other lottery picks. Uh, He's kind of silent. He's been silent for us for quite a while and slowly rising without us really covering him too much. So I kind of want to hear from you guys. Where do you think he'll place in the draft that kind of range? And uh, who do you think would be the most interested in him as a player? I definitely see him as a top 10 pick. As Jake said earlier, um, personally, I think he'd probably be my six or eighth. Well, yeah, I'd say somewhere in the six or eight range. Um, and as far as where I'd see him going, I really like him with Indiana just because they have uh, Chris Duarte and they just got Tyrese Halliburton. And I think they would compliment him so well, not just because they have a good backcourt, but they also have a big man in Miles Turner. Um, I know he only has one year on his contract after this season, but um, he's a good screening body who I feel like can get Benedict open for a lot of shots and 
You know, as we've seen in Arizona, that's kind of where his game is at the best right now, just coming off of screens. And I feel like it would put a little less pressure on him to develop so quickly. Plus in Indiana, you know, you have Buddy Heald there as well, who's renowned as one of the best shooters in all the NBA. So if he wants to get minutes trying to take Buddy's spot, you know, he's going to have to show that he can consistently shoot the lights out from outside. Definitely. And I think it kind of helps him uh, almost being like a little bit lower and not being those those desperate like four teams that just, you know, you're getting every minute and you're getting every expectation. I think he'll have a little bit more wiggle room to develop kind of like he did in Arizona and how he gave himself a second year to develop, proved that he can grow. And I think teams that are picking him are going to be teams that are willing to give him some time and want to see him kind of blossom, I guess, into an even better player than he already is. Yeah, and for my fit here for Benedict Matherin, Tankathon currently has him going to the uh, Portland Trailblazers, which I think that's a decent fit, you know, no CJ McCollum anymore. Anthony Simons and Lillard in that backcourt, you know, Simons is good. Lillard is good, obviously. But that, they could use some shooting on the wing, especially with, um, you know, obviously like CJ McCollum is gone. But I would like to see possibly Benedict Matherin going to New York because, you know, they have Quentin Grimes. They have Emmanuel Quickly. Um, but I think Matherin could kind of just straight up out talent most of those guys. Grimes has been pretty good defensively this year, which is something Matherin's going to have to work on. But, you know, I think New York just takes him and just lets the cream rise to the top between those three guys and figures out their backcourt to pair up with R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. Brandon, I saw a little bit of disgust with the uh, Portland pick. Do you want to let me know what you were thinking there? Uh, actually, I wasn't shaking my head at that. I was actually looking at this. Uh, I was looking at Tankathon, and I was thinking about you know, just the possibility of him going to Orlando, which is a place that already oh. has so many guards. But um, I feel like now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like him just in the shooting guard role or even the small forward role wouldn't even be that bad. Um, but also looking at Sacramento, another place I'm just hoping he doesn't end up. Cause <laughs> you think he's kind of more versatile between being a guard and a forward, like they could switch him around a bit and kind of mm. rotate him between that yeah, position? I I think so. Um, just because I know... Basketball is becoming more positionless, and so, and shooting guard and small forward, they're, I feel like they're so similar positions, especially now. It's kind of like, because everybody can shoot, so yep. it's like the introduction, you know, just yeah. wing players just shooting the lights out because they can. Mm-hmm. So I really just feel like it's who's on the floor. And that will wrap it up for today's episode and our segment on Benedict Mathern. Um, he's definitely a top 10 pick, and he's got a bright future in the NBA. Yeah, so uh, a bit of an apology for no trivia today. Uh, We figured this podcast would run a little bit longer than it normally does. And not only that, spring break's coming up. And you got the, uh, we got some videos planned uh, to help you guys set up your brackets. Uh, We have fun making them. And uh, actually, before we sign off, do not forget, uh, if you look to our socials uh, that we will plug here in a second here, we're actually running a league-bound bracket, a bracket group. There will be links to join it, and you can come and compete with us to see who has the best bracket. Uh, but other than that, we got videos planned coming out to help you pick your own brackets and make your brackets to beat us. That'll pretty much wrap up the podcast. How about that, Jake? 
Yeah, that's going to wrap it up here today on episode eight. It's eight, eight episodes already here on League Bound. Um, thank you guys continually for tuning in. Uh, we love doing this. It's a lot of fun. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media as you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jacob Schrantz. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Brandon.Blue with two E's. And you can follow me on Twitter at Brody Wilkin or on Instagram at Broderick Wilkin and YouTube, uh, which is just Broderick Wilkin. Just as a reminder, League Bound is on Spotify and YouTube, both titled League Bound. Feel free to like and subscribe. Follow us on Spotify. And don't forget, if you enjoyed the video and you think we do a good job, please give us a five-star on Spotify. It helps so much, uh, and we appreciate it deeply. We love doing this, um, as always, and I hope you guys have a great day. Video's on the way for March Madness. Going to help you make the bracket, or make your bracket, or more, or 10, or 15, or 50, or 100, however many you like to make. Yeah. Have a great day, y'all. I'll see you around. <laughs> Man, the Cavs lost to the Heat. You down sad. Why you do that to me, bro? You down sad. Why? You just have bro. to bring it up <laughs> like that, man. Why? You down sad, bro. I'm about to eat me some McDonald's. Don't forget. You know what? I'll join you on that. I got a rat, but you know.